these uh, refrains, these uh, words, mm, somewhat quaint in places, a bit curious, um, ancient um, themes for spiritual development, recognizing there's a need for boundaries, boundaries of restraint, uh, for one's own welfare, for the welfare of others. Sense of collecting, gathering one's energy, gathering one's energy, gathering one's intentions, uh, collecting them, gathering them in. In fact, they can be gathered in and need to be gathered in. It's an important understanding. There's an in for them to be gathered. <laughs> yeah. And that's the really important point. Mm. So naturally, there's an external aspect to these, how we affect others. And, um, and that's significant. Mm. Boundaries. Uh, because uh, how we affect others naturally mm, means they internalize experiences of of abuse or mm, disrespect, dishonesty. Um, then, of course, these precepts there to help us to also internalize valuable qualities. The internalization of these valuable qualities is not just a matter of behavior, but a matter of consolidating heart energy. Uh, calming bodily energy and quietening mental energy focusing mental energy and quietening it this is called samadhi yakti one concentrates it doesn't mean concentration focusing on a particular point physical object it means one concentrates gathers one's intentions attitudes energies aspirations into one particular skillful place. And this is, establishes right view. Right view, in a nutshell, is there are skillful qualities, states, energies that need to be encouraged, can be encouraged, lead to fruition, and there are unskillful qualities that can be running automatically or even you know, intentionally or unintentionally encouraged that lead to unskillful qualities lead to no fruition or fruition and damage, discord, fragmentation, suffering and stress. So these are not just laws, these precepts are not just laws, they are guardians of the world. Uh, there's a certain... Um, recognition of the hazardous nature of the human being uh, which can be uh, extremely destructive nothing is so destructive so hurtful as another human being nothing is so beautiful and uplifting as another human being and clearly human beings don't always really know that or get it right it's pretty rocky and here we're really trying to establish what's skillful for a human being. And skillful, in this sense, also relates to uh, 
anything that dismantles stress. So this is an important feature of the moral training. It's not just about um, good and bad in a kind of moralistic sense. It's about happiness and unhappiness. Mm. It makes it significantly different from uh, much of our uh, contemporary understanding, or perhaps you could say Judeo-Christian, but I don't necessarily see it quite like that. Uh, But this is not about um, being approved of or disapproved of or punished or rewarded or crime, crime and punishment. There's a very different attitude in the Buddhist understanding is that the deities, the celestial spirits, who really like happiness, they really like happiness and say, this precept stuff really gets you there. (laughs) It really helps them really makes you feel good that's what we're interested in, feeling better mm-hmm. and certainly the Buddha's understanding and his night of awakening and his primary understandings was this fact of good and evil you know, more than just social judgments but actually energies that corrode and uh, destroy one's wholeness, one's happiness and energies that embellish and bring it forth. Mm. This internal quality then has to be uh, meditated upon, touched into, contemplated, realised, breathed into, lingered over and um, made to saturate one's heart and mind. Then it really does bring great fruit. One of the refrains that you'll see in uh, in regards to the precepts, Silena uh, Subhiting Yanti. This is a vehicle, these precepts or the ethical sense is a vehicle towards Sukhating. Sukhati is towards well being. It also means towards, um, you know, um, skillfulness in general, accomplishment. You actually feel fitter, healthier, better through these. And your mind is set on a straight course. It doesn't keep rocking and swaying and collapsing, it's set straight. Sukha, Sukhato, one of the epithets of the Buddha is a Sukhato, he's a Sukhato, one who has entered into goodness, entered into the good way. Sukhato, gone to the good way, entered into it. So that really is, um, you know, it's an entry into something that's fortunate and encouraging. Mm. Silenus Borga Sampada is his ethical conduct or the sense of it is held to be a, a fruition of good fortune. Borga. Borga is a treasury, uh, like a wealth. And the Buddha is called the Bhagawa, means someone who's got this wealth, uh, a wealthy one, <laughs> spiritual wealth. And the sampada means a complete fulfilment of inner wealth. And these ethical senses consider to be a vehicle towards that. Silina nibbuting yanti, nibbuting is the cooling of passion. Uh, that's, the, uh, that's the language of it. You could say it's also the warming of, of frozen states. It's the dismantling of suffering and stress. 
and these ethical senses and these are considered to be a vehicle towards that it's a little more than just you know behaving yourself it goes deep if we reflect upon these we consider the mind itself as a or the heart as an external internal aspect to it mental and external aspect is our behavior which we can determine you know do this don't do that do this at this time don't do that that's kind of there it is it's something we can all understand we can witness it we can do it we can know we're not doing it or not doing it um, internally it's more a matter of the energy or the mood or the substance the essence of mind where the mind is caught up with aggression or fear or craving or dizziness or seeking gratification or just distracted playful in a distracted way or whether it's also sinking into escapism through lounging and and lolling around so this is the kind of thing that lies behind some of these words these terms that are used here and we take for example the first precept uh, to refrain from killing or destroying living beings pana those who have the breath force within them so this doesn't actually include plants those which have the prana the prana, the prana the breath of life is moving through them so if we consider fish, insects, humans various creatures uh, right across that spectrum Mm. because this quality of sentiency is considered to be pretty marvellous we take it for granted um, you know because of course we're just living in it and we see it all around us and there's plenty of us but if you imagine coming from the moon dead rock you know, dead rock and dust you landed on this thing and you saw this amazing stuff creeping and moving and growing and moving around and communicating with, with itself and communicating with others and interacting you think wow this is amazing <laughs> sentiency is amazing have you ever have a newborn baby you see a newborn in, baby in human they're just so they're so alive with sentiency there's almost completely you know delicate and uh, sensitive and open to everything this is the life force you know happening in this little creature so this takes us beyond the external appearance of creatures or human beings or whether we um, what we think about them into the fact of sentiency as a miracle as a rather precious uh, occasion of which there's actually very little in the universe that we can as far as we can measure it there's very little of this around we are those who have this and of all kinds of uh, sentience the human sentient is extremely 
attuned to the possibilities of ethics. Other creatures don't have that to such a high degree. Human beings are creatures who can aspire. Not many other creatures can't really aspire. They can desire, they can wish, they can crave, and they can react, but they can't really aspire to anything. Human beings have this capacity. So when we begin to sense this potential in the human being, we want to treasure it in ourselves, wherever it is. And when that's apparent, then when that treasuring is apparent, then of course skillful relationships come into play for our welfare and uh, happiness. There's nothing more uh, rewarding on this very fundamental level of sentience that people who are friendly and agree with each other and harmonise. So we treasure that. Mm. Take in the quality, breathe it in. Prioritise it above other aspects that we can discern or consider about other people. Prioritise it. Not that other fact, other aspects aren't significant or have, don't have their place, but for our own welfare, this is the one we want to bear in mind. Otherwise we're going to be with all kinds of What's he like that? Why is she this? And uh, yeah. where does that go? Refrain from taking that which is not given. We internalize this. This is about contentment uh, and uh, respect. Since <laughs> to take what's not given. Automatically means it's not yours, is it? What is yours? When you consider it, not much. You know, the clothes we wear come from plants. Food we eat comes from plants, comes from the earth. It often can mean depriving other creatures of their habitat, their food. If you're not actually eating their bodies, we're probably clearing the land so we can grow our food. Okay, so we've taken that, and other creatures don't get theirs. In fact, they get on our farms, we shoot them, or we poison them to keep our own. So you really don't want to take that much. And certainly, if it's not freely given, you're feeling something which is, I mean, respect for material goods, material requisites. And this value, this value then you, you sense it as a value to have a sense of, it gives you a sense of, you know, almost a sense of dignity. You don't really want a lot of stuff. Because it's not yours. You know, the thing that's yours, if you like, is your own heart. When you develop that, other stuff is just stuff. And uh, as we could recognise, we're pretty much running out of it. <laughs> On the planetary level, using it all up. 
So this is a very precious thing to cultivate and consider. You know? Mm. We could take that to what's called renunciation, which is a bit deeper, which means uh, actually we deliberately, you know, turn away from. She thinks that even they are possibly available, we say, no, thanks, I'm fine. It's enough, enough. Keep it simple. And you internalize that quality. Be on the lookout for it. Because consumerism is a rampant uh, virus that's affected human beings beyond what we actually really need. Uh, we just buy something because it's interesting or fun or pretty or new, you know. And that's very much encouraged to bring us a sense of happiness and refreshment. Let's go and buy something, you know. It's really rather disappointing uh, perspective on human beings. <laughs> if we don't can't get enough from ourselves, we've got to keep getting even something else. And the aim here is to uh, look into that and uh, use these practices to develop one's own wealth and happiness. We don't really need that much. Sexual misconduct, well, clearly in this retreat situation, we've come here for a particular purpose, and it's important everyone uh, is aware of that. And feels um, comfortable in that, and feels assured that everyone is mutually holding this standard. So we can feel quite free and not concerned about being looked at, gazed at, or seen in, in ways which we are not interested in or not not for our welfare, putting aside that, feeling safe. Yeah, very important. Uh, because certainly, uh, again, this sexual activity is very much uh, encouraged and seen as a source of in, immense fulfilment and happiness. Uh, I, uh, which I doubt, frankly. Uh, that is, the Buddha seemed to didn't seem to think it that highly, and he seemed to be quite a happy person. Uh, uh, I think he don't think he regretted getting enlightened. So he's pretty happy. So, what's the big thing about this then? Well, basically, you know, you have bodily energy that uh, gets tense or flaring or encouraged or heated up and it seeks fulfilment through sexual channels the aim of this is to to shift that so we open different channels you, know, you do this with meditation with breath meditation and with metta meditation heart meditation you do you open up different channels for the energy to flow through where that quality of warming is more sustained, contained, and suffuses everything. So it, it relieves us from tension and stress. We don't. Sexual activity tends to be a fire that burns through, and, uh, you know, burns through, and then, you know, finished. And then you've got to 
recover or something, do it all again. So this is actually more steady, suffusive way of using energy. Uh, full speech. How we speak is how we think. Uh, so how we think is how we speak. So speaking falsely, if we speak falsely, our thinking is not straight, and uh, thinking is muddled. If we're actually sensing one thing and saying something different, then our thinking mechanism is muddled, confused, distorted. And you realize it's a very powerful uh, instrument, speaking, because this is where we most easily and directly affect other people. If you recognize just the level of public discourse at this time, is atrocious speech habits, uh, uh, violent, abusive, deceitful, uh, gossiping, is very much in the political domain is the standard uh, for national debate and it's pretty uh, shocking, disgraceful uh, it says everybody gets upset, tense, agitated, fearful and angry mm. nobody knows what's right and wrong, what's true and false anymore well, so we have to take take back into our own territory well I know what's true and false yeah. And now you check it out, because if it's clear speech, clear thinking, you feel it, you feel a sense of veracity has a value to itself. It just sets things straight. There's no pushing, no manipulation, no uh, kind of undercutting, no gossiping. It's just straight. And you treasure that. Because when you've got a straight thinking, you can use that for meditation. If it's all wobbly and broken, you can't. The aim is not to suppress thinking, but to use skillful thinking. And this certainly supports that. That's why it's a vehicle for liberation. So here we are refraining from uh, conversation and minimizing speech as much as is possible without making life difficult for each other, but certainly minimizing it. Um, with a sense of uh, how that affects others, we get people get very sensitive on these retreats, and what may seem to be a, a joke from one person's point of view can feel very inappropriate. Yeah. Uh, it can be uh, speech can be very intrusive when you actually want to be quiet, and somebody has to decide they've got to say something they think they're going to cheer you up or tell you what to do, and you just. You don't need the intrusion. So, refraining from speech and then using silence as something to to dwell in and linger in and offer to each other uh, in a kindly way rather than a suppressive way. It's an offering of uh, respect for other people's attention. I don't want to clutter your attention with my overspilling verbalizations. Sura Maraya, refrain from using intoxicants, cloud the mind, because that's what they do. And uh, that's kind of what they're about, really. 
by the Lord is too dull or cloud the uncomfortable, edgy, hungry, confused uh, mind states and mental energies. And so, you know, the aim is to refrain from any of that because these have powerful effects both immediately and in the long term. These begin to, to transform and damage your energy system. Which becomes you know, habituated around this input of intoxication, stimulation. So, intoxicants and stimulants we refrain from or bait. You know, look carefully at even what you're doing in terms of you know allowable things such as caffeine and so forth. Just how you want to use that, so it doesn't become something you're dependent on to get your nervous system functioning. <laughs> So with this one, even but the standard really is alcohol and narcotics. So valuing a clear mind and also that encouragement to deal with the bleak places or the agitated places directly through meditation practice. Vikala Borjana, the refraining from eating at inappropriate time, the Vikala. Kala is time, Vikala, outside the time. And um, classically, this time is considered to be around about the middle of the day. Um, so that's the standard we're going to use. Of course, in your outside retreat, you can have the same idea and set times, or you know. So it's basically refraining from just munching, casual eating, snacking, and so forth. Just what's necessary uh, to sustain your body for what we need to do. Here we're using the midday time, which does move around, but we set it for sake of convenience. We set it to twelve, twelve o'clock. Um, no, this is about uh, again about modest simplicity, and though know, it takes a little bit of getting used to, the beauty of it is that it again it, it levels out your energy system, so you don't get the big, you get a kind of a one wave of, of the food coming through and then. It, later half of the day you just let it all tail off you can feel hungry and uh, uh, I feel hungry uh, time to time I don't mind it I don't see it as something that's so bad it seems to be a natural you know it's a cleaning out uh, and as it, as it, it leads that the feels quite bright uh, so one can relax around any of that discomfort as you get in, as you get into it. You can relax around it to see this as a feeling, yeah. And it's probably a better feeling than feeling too full, which can feel doesn't. But it, it's it, feeling too full also makes you dull and heavy. But 
lean makes you keener and sharper. Nachigita is about uh, <laughs> slightly comical. They've really gone to town on this one. Um, <laughs> generally, we generally simplify it to entertainments, beautification, and adornment. Sort of just condense it a little bit. Um, so, entertainment. Well, so we start putting down the uh, devices, internet connections, and so forth. Although clearly, I mean, these things are so built in now to people's lives that, you know, it's like having a wristwatch. You just so. But certainly on the retreat, I'd like to encourage and, and really ask you to, to put those things aside. And if there is real need for communication to people outside the retreat, relatives, so forth, that can be arranged through the office. We're, you know, you can make phone calls and so forth through the through the office. So, just recognizing how how compulsive those devices are. Just one click, and you can be away mm-hmm. into places where you don't actually have to put forth any effort. It just makes you passive, and that's part of the point of. Entertainment is a certain you can just kind of sit back in it, and uh, you know that's not always so good. It, you lose you lose strength, you lose strength, you lose resilience, you lose energy coming from within yourself because you're taking it from something outside to get you going, or to smooth things out, or to make things more comfortable. And you know, I'd sooner sooner do it directly. Yeah, directly and definitely meditation you can do it you can do all this stuff with meditation you can you know transmute your sexual energy you can deal with body energies you can deal with heart energies and you can also deal with entertainments because it's a you don't need it um so it does mean to realise there's something quite uh, pragmatic about it. The Buddha was no yeah, idealist. He recognised everybody likes pleasure. Uh, but he said the best kind of pleasure that you can get, most fulfilling, is going to come from Dhamma. And one should approach it in that way. Uh, feel it. Feel. Sensitise to the beauty of harmlessness, lovely, gentle quality, the beauty of, of modesty, lovely, gentle, quiet quality, the beauty of straight speech, clear, dignified quality, yeah. the beauty of a clear mind, clear, bright like water, no mud in it, no, no yeah, beautiful, and beauty of a calm mind rather than distracted, agitated mind, uh, capacity of that, the strength of it, the persistence of it, the long-term energy of it. And we come to the last one, it's about high and luxurious seats and beds. It's not exactly measuring how long the legs are and the furnishings. It doesn't <laughs> quite the point. The point is, I guess, in India, you know, that time you basically you'd lie down on the ground... <laughs> 
And uh, you, you, when you lie down on the ground and sleep, you don't sleep any longer than you really need to. <laughs> I've done it. <laughs> you just want, you, as soon as you've had enough, you want to get up because it's really uncomfortable. <laughs> so uh, the, the sense is, you had a bed, you know, like a king might have a bed, wow. Then you could lie there and kind of loll around, you know, wouldn't have to get up, you could lie there for hours. Uh, so it led to this kind of uh, state of mind that wasn't attuned to vigilance or wakefulness. And uh, uh, one of the epithets of a skillful cultivator is they're devoted to wakefulness. <laughs> you know, devoted to it. Not pushing themselves, but actually devoted. I choose, I wish for, I want more of that. Yeah. And realizing how some part of us is also, as a devoted to, but habituated to just, you know, kick back, and, you know, because that's the way I get out of stress. Well, yeah, that's true. But there's another way to get out of stress, which is more useful, Dhamma. So with this kind of practices, you can actually sleep less. Uh, if you don't need so much sleep, you certainly don't need to. You you can do your relaxation. So meditation practice, dhamma practice, will fulfil a higher state of relaxation, comfort, and happiness. Uh, that's why these are called a vehicle towards it. But it's not just a matter of obeying the rules, but really understanding the essence. Because there's no rules, no, no rules have ever been created that fully cover human conduct. You know, every, every year there's more and more laws, every country has tons of laws, people still break them, find ways to get around it. Even the governments get find ways to get around the laws. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the leaders find ways to get around, around the laws. So there's no, no laws just don't work. <laughs> I mean, it's, they're a good idea, but, uh, you know, they're always very partial. <laughs> very partial. Mm. You know, because you think of justice, but then, yeah, well, we widen the sphere of, of what, what's justice and include it, lose it to include our fellow creatures on the planet, you realise there's a lot of criminal activity goes on, a lot of killing, stealing, and manipulation of other animals. So where's the justice in that? Who are they didn't get they didn't get included, did they? So we look at rather than just laws and justice, but actually to ethical sensitivity and concern and awareness of our potential for uh, something beautiful and sustaining, but something twisted and corrupt and destructive. And we say, oh, that's a choice. That's a choice. I want to make that choice. I want to stay with that choice. I want to keep asking myself about that and checking it out. Then one lives vigilantly. Okay, so during this retreat time, these precepts, I don't think they're that difficult to maintain as behaviours, but also very important to even spend every day, just consider the inequality that they're trying to encourage 
that you need to linger on and, and make much of. So it really is very supportive. And people don't, essentially. Well, certainly living in monasteries where pretty these eight precepts are just standard. Nothing special about that. And yet people still feel they're corrupt, useless, stained, guilty, besmirched and defiled. <laughs> because they kept the precepts, they didn't actually meditate on the qualities of them. You know? And 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 you meditate on the quality qualities of them, they grow large and they start to suffuse the heart. Yeah. So it's not just about keeping them, it's about actually entering into them. Entering into the qualities that they, they frame. During this uh, period of time, to, we've all made an effort to get here. We've made an effort to put aside um, circumstances outside this retreat. Um, that's considerable effort, I'm sure. Um, so, but still recommend that uh, we try to re- remain with the geographical boundaries of Insight Meditation Society. It's quite a large area if you want to go out for a walk or exercise or jog or something in some of these open periods, it's up to you. Of course. Um, try to kind of consider this to be your, your island you're dwelling on. And part of that also means that we, from our island, we do send forth our good wishes, our concerns, our gratitude to those who have, in our lives, who have supported, allowed, you know, us to take this opportunity. Yeah. And hopefully, with our friends, our relatives and so forth, then may we go home carrying some treasure <laughs> to give out to those who are near and dear to us. Uh, that's exa- exactly what the Buddha did. To, went home to his family to hand out whatever he could and that's that's where we're paying back yeah. that's where we're beginning to pay back if you consider that even more wisely and deeply you recognize well all the gifts the earth has given us that didn't charge us a cent for in terms of water air food so forth is it possible that we can give some of that back be less demanding, more caring, more conscientious, and even try to support the wildlife uh, of this planet. <laughs>